All right, so we're going to get right into it today. Uh, this will probably be a two-session series, a lesson here, talking about <clears throat> something really basic in the Word of the Lord. If I can get my clicker to work. Brother Brandon, you going to leave me early today? Are you staying here the whole time? Because i got something for you. Yep, you're going to like it. Yep, you're going to like it a lot. Have I ever given you anything you didn't like? Have I ever given you anything you didn't like? Always good advice. Always always leave feeling good, don't you? Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> I want to talk about the framing and skeletal system of being born again. The skeletal and framing system of being born again. So we're going to do a lot of scriptures. In this lesson, you might want to get a highlighter or a pen out or a marker. Mark your Bible up. That's what they're for. Uh, so that way, when you're talking to somebody else about being born again, you can lead them through the scriptures and show them what you got. Moses and the law. Let's start way back in the Old Testament with Moses and the law. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse number 6 says, At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. So God is establishing here in the law that uh, if you have two or three witnesses that give the same story, then he that is worthy of death should be put to death. But if it's just one person, that's what we would call that today as a he said, she said, then the law says that he shall not be put to death. So Moses is establishing here, you need two or three witnesses in order to have a guilty verdict. All right? <clears throat> then, Jesus and the church resolution conflict. Did you know there's church resolution conflict? It's found in Matthew, chapter number 18. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So now Jesus picks up in the New Testament in Matthew what Moses had said in Deuteronomy. He said, if the man will not hear you to resolve this conflict, then take two or three witnesses with you. So that is a precedent. This is a pattern here that's being set. So keep that in mind. Let's look at Paul. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament church order says this in 2 Corinthians 13.1. This is the third time I'm coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So we're looking at two or three witnesses. This pattern here, all from Deuteronomy now into the Corinthian letters that Paul wrote, he said two or three witnesses. So we cannot build doctrine on one scripture alone. All right? You can't build doctrine on one scripture alone. There is a scripture, I believe it's in Proverbs, that says if you are given to much appetite, take a knife to your throat. 
Now, I would not like to practice that because I probably would have already been throated. All right? That means when you go to Golden Corral, then you're going to might as well carry a pocket knife with you. So you cannot build one with one scripture. You cannot build a doctrine. Okay? And so what we're going to do here is we're going to see a pattern of the new birth. So as we continue on, Proverbs 23, 2 says this. If you are a big eater, see, there it is, put a knife to your throat. How about that? It's really in there. If you're a big eater, put a knife to your throat. We don't want to build a doctrine on that. A lot of us would not make it. And don't be putting, looking, don't be faces popping up in your mind either. Don't let any faces pop up in your mind. 1 Timothy 5.23 says this. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Now, Paul was telling Timothy this because of the water situation in Bible times where Timothy was located. But you don't just build a doctrine and say, okay, let's everybody go out and get you a bottle of wine. Some people can handle wine. Some people can handle wine. Some people are... Uh, can handle you've heard of social drinkers somebody can take a drink and you know and then go on and go on their merry way and everything is okay other people are have trouble with addiction and so then that becomes a stronghold in their lives so <clears throat> Paul is saying here take a little wine for your stomach's sake then you also have to realize the differences in wine and strong drink in the scripture there's different types of drinks in the New Testament and in the scriptures that it talks about John 7 16 Jesus answered them and said my doctrine is not mine but his that sent me my doctrine is not mine but his that sent me the amplified version says it like this Jesus answered them by saying my teaching is not my own but his who sent me so the Lord is walking on the earth he has been sent by the Father, all right? He is the Father, walking on the earth, and he is bringing a doctrine. Now, I heard somebody say years ago that doctrine wasn't important. Doctrine is very, very important because doctor, doctrine is structure, all right? This building that we're sitting in, it has beautiful neutral color carpet. It didn't start out this way. 30 years ago. This carp is 30 years old, guys. It started out, if you want to know what it started out, come up after this session and, and look underneath of this pulpit. It, have you ever heard of the color mauve? <clears throat> That's what it was. In fact, those were our wedding colors. Mauve and seafoam green. We were, we were high rollers. High rollers. Yep. And we just thought we were the cat's meow. I had a gray tuxedo, I think, a gray, yeah, gray tuxedo, and I might have had a green bow tie and Cumberman, and everybody else had mauve-colored boots. Who had to ask Amy? But she doesn't remember what I told her the other night, so I don't, she didn't remember what color it was at our wedding all those years ago. Anyhow, so this carpet is here. The drywall is here, the paint, the ceiling, the lights. But there's something holding all this up, and it's called structure. It's the structure of the building. Inside of 
these walls behind the drywall is what we call studs, okay? Probably two by four or two by six studs underneath are floor joists that are, that are holding the subfloor together. The subfloor is nailed to the floor joist. The floor joist set on a sill plate. The sill plate is connected to a header. The joists are set in between uh, usually, what are we, Clark, 18-inch centers, 16-inch centers on joists? Yep, 16, see? And so there's, there's, uh, there's structure underneath of this. So if you take all of this carpet out and all the lights and all the drywall, you're going to see a skeletal system. That's what doctrine is. Doctrine is a skeletal system that holds the, thing, the, the whole thing together. All right? So let's go on. We're right. Doctrine. What is doctrine? See, I already talked about it. I'm ahead of my time. New, New uh, Testament. This is from the uh, Strong's Concordance. It comes from that Greek word right there. Yeah. The docai. Is that right, Colonel? Well, that's better. What is it? Did it okay? All right, did okay. It means instruction. The act or the matter. It means instruction. Okay? That's what we're doing today. We're instructing. We're talking. We're laying out a foundation here. Did okay? Doctrine. Didasco? Pretty close. Okay. It means to learn, to teach in the same broad application. So we have a we have a lesson. We have a, and now we're learning, and this is the structure. You've got to have structure. Uh, if you've ever been to the ocean, and you can't go in the ocean because there's jellyfish floating around, so what do you do? You dig a hole in the sand, and you get you a net, and then you go dip jellyfish out, and you put the jellyfish in the hole in the sand until you have this big hole in the sand full of jelly. Yes, that's what we did when we went to Gulf Shores one year. The jellyfish were there, so we decided that we would help lessen the population of the jellyfish in the ocean for a little while. And so we had this big hole full of jelly. There's no structure to jellyfish. There's no bones. There's no, there's no skeletal system. They just float along. You see, if you don't have structure in your life, especially walking with the Lord, you just float from wherever the current takes you. You know, people that go from church to church to church. Anybody know people that do that? They jump, you know, in, in one year's time, they may in, be in three or four different churches. And <clears throat> what that is is whatever they're feeling, whatever is coming across in their lives that is, that is setting the sail and the direction in their lives, that's the church that they kind of gravitate to. They stay at this one church until the preacher says something that makes them mad, and then they go find another church. And then they have an issue with somebody in the congregation, so then they go find another church. All right. <clears throat> what we want to do is we want to get a structure in our lives that we build something that the Lord can build and use us for a building. You can't use a uh, hole in the sand full of jellyfish for much of anything. But a building that has structure, then you can begin to use it. And as you begin to use it, then th this building here has been used for many things. It's been used for church services. It has been used for daycare graduations and daycare programs. Uh, it has been used for youth conventions, youth conferences. And there are people here today that 
because of that youth convention that we had are here today from years ago. It's kind of interesting to listen to uh, Addie's story and Caitlin Pate's story. And they, it all started by coming to a youth conference, a youth gathering. So what is this building doing? This building is actually acting as a functional piece of, of um, what am I looking for? A, a functional building, a functional setting to where you can grow. All right? That good? That makes sense? Look at this. Here you go. Here's what I'm talking about. Isn't that a beautiful house? Now, if you slept there last night, you got a little chilly. All right? If you went to get up and shut the window, good luck. A, you can't reach the window. B, you can't even find the window. C, refer to A and B. Shut the door. There is no door. This is the structure. This is what this house, eventually that, that roof is going to have sheeting on it and felt paper and shingles. Or maybe, you know, the trend now is it's, it may have a uh, metal roof, maybe metal. It could be real fancy and have tile, a tile roof that lasts 85 years or 100 years or whatever. Who knows? Those walls, they could be uh, stucco, they could be brick, they could be vinyl siding. What am I saying? Is it, what it, on the outside, you can do lots of different things with the outside, but you have to have this structure because that is what's going to hold everything together. That's what doctrine does. It holds everything together. We have a system, a structure in our bodies. Okay, 206 bones. We have cartilage. We have ligaments. And look at that. That gentleman, maybe it's not a gentleman, that humanoid right there needs some meat on its bone. Okay? Now, we don't know if that is going to be African-American, if it's going to be a Korean, if it's going to be Caucasian. We don't know what it is. Every body has a skeletal system. It's structure. You have structure, and this structure holds together all of what we become as human beings. So let's talk about it. Framing and skeletal system of being born again. Jesus said, let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse number 7. Jesus said, marvel not, do not be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you must all be born anew. This is the Amplified. You must all be born anew from above. King James says, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. So people want to say, okay, well, I was born into this world, and I'm here. Okay, I was born, and here I am. I am in the great city of Vandalia, Illinois. Yay. All right. But that's just a natural birth. That's just a birth into this life and this realm that we live in. Do you know that really what we are, we're just ghosts and captured in a body? You know that? You and I are spiritual beings inside human bodies. One day the human body is going to die and deteriorate, and our spirit is going to go live on forever, either in the presence of the Lord or in the presence of the devil. We're going one way or the other. So Jesus says, what I want you to realize is, you have to be born anew not just naturally in this world, 
but into the world to come. John chapter 3, verse 1. Let's pop up to the top and let's look at that whole uh, text there. He said, Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler, a leader, an authority among the Jews, who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is an educated man. Nicodemus is a man that understands life. He is a man that understands that there is things that Jesus has done, miracles, wonder works here, produces proofs that no other normal human being can do. So he's, in, he's on a mission here. Nicodemus is on this mission. He says, uh, we know that you're a teacher come from God. And Jesus answered him. He said, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born again, anew from above. Now there's a key word there, from above, okay? If he's not born from above, he cannot ever see or know or be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus is coming on a fact-finding mission to talk to Jesus and say, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Nobody can do these miracles that you're doing except God is with him. And Jesus just simply turns the conversation back on him and says, let me tell you something. Unless you're born again anew from above, you cannot even see the kingdom. Nicodemus was seeing the outside, the results of the kingdom. He was seeing the blind receive their sight. He was seeing the deaf healed. He was seeing the lame men walk. He was seeing, they were seeing people, dead people raised. You know, I passed out ministries last week to everybody. Haven't heard any reports back. Brad was supposed to heal the sick. Robbie was supposed to cast out devils. Larry was supposed to raise the dead. And Kevin was supposed to cleanse the lepers. And immediately he starts shaking his head in the middle of getting his assignment. Now, Brandon, you're in the military. You don't, when you're getting your orders, you don't shake your head and say, no. But Kevin did. Kevin said, I, I... And he says, there aren't any lepers around. And I said, let me tell you something. There are. They're in Hawaii. I said, I was trying to give you a good assignment. That there used to be a leper colony on the island of Molokai. I don't know if it's still there or not, but there used to be a leper colony there. So Nicodemus is seeing the outside of the kingdom. He's seeing all of these changes in people's lives. He is seeing a guy named Bartimaeus. Okay? Bartimaeus was blind. But one day, Jesus went through the same town where Bartimaeus was, and Bartimaeus was healed by Jesus. So here's Nicodemus, this scholar, this teacher, this man of renown in the city, and he is saying, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Nobody can do these miracles, and we're seeing the outside of it. But Jesus flips the conversation and says, but let me tell you something. You're just seeing the outside, but I want to tell you something. If you want to see the inside, you're going to have to be born into this. You're going to have to be born into the kingdom. And so we all have that today. We look at this and he said, I assure you most solemnly, 
and tell you unless a person is born again. Now Nicodemus, here's his education popping out. Let's see what he has to say. He says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? So Nicodemus is trying to figure this out. He's trying to figure out how can a man be born again when he's old? What are you talking about here? Uh, it is naturally impossible for a man to be born again like he was before. Jesus answered, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. Now there you go. Now Jesus has just dropped a big bomb on Nicodemus. He has dropped a bomb on Nicodemus. And he says, let me tell you something. You're trying to figure this out. How is a man going to be born like he was before to be born again? So let's say this. A lot of times we try to figure out spiritual things with natural thinking. Okay? You cannot, you cannot understand spiritual principles with natural thinking. I was... Uh, you're going to, this is like, you guys are so blessed today. You've got me twice. You have me twice now. I'm preaching and teaching this one, and you're getting me again. Next session, next service, whatever it's called. Next time. Does she want me? She does, doesn't she? Yeah? Yeah? She just wants to stand up. She wants to be taller. Oh, Lord. Special K. Okay. We know what she wants. All right. Now, that just threw me clear out of the spirit. So, here we go. You got me two sessions. I was thinking about what uh, the Lord gave me for this week. And... I'll probably repeat this again for everybody when they get in here. But the Lord is trying to do something in this church. Okay? We, we've got what's called a remnant. We've got the leftovers, man. We have, and really the leftovers are the best part. Especially spaghetti. The longer spaghetti sets, the better it is. You know, until it gets that green fuzz on it. And then you just cut the fuzz off and go underneath it. There you go. You listen, you don't get looking like this without knowing these kind of things. And so uh, some of us are temples of the Holy Ghost. Other of us are cathedrals and megachurches. Some of us are megachurches. And so, uh, but I was thinking about what the Lord is, was, is doing with us. And at Christmas time, the thought that I shared with everybody was they made haste that the shepherds hurried and went to see Jesus in the, in the manger right the angel said for unto you is born this day in the city of David Christ the Lord you should find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and the Bible says that King James says they made haste so they hurried up and went to check it out the next thing the next couple weeks of what I talked about was if you have an ear it's time to hear so the Lord told us over Christmas make haste and then the next thing was and I didn't realize that this was happening. 
you know, see, that's where that's why the Lord's always a bunch of steps ahead of us. And I didn't realize this was happening. So now if you have an ear, let's hear what the Spirit is saying. And today, unless the Lord changed my mind, I'm going to talk about one moment in time. Being in his presence in special ways. Letting his hand touch you. Being John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so we cannot, we cannot interpret what the Spirit is trying to do behind the scenes through our natural eyes. You have to have spiritual eyes. You have to have a spiritual brain. We have to have spiritual understanding. And Jesus is saying here, I'm telling you, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, he said you can't not ever enter the kingdom of God. All right, now Nicodemus goes on to say, or Jesus said, what is born of and from the flesh is flesh. So Jesus said, anything that is from the flesh is flesh. Or of the physical is physical, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Notice here that in this verse, the first word spirit has a capital S. Okay, that means the spirit of God. All right, whenever you see that in scripture, that's talking about the spirit of God. The omniscient, the omnipotent, the omnipresent spirit of God. And then the small s refers to man's spirit. Okay, so that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so Jesus is saying here, there's a new birth order that's coming. Marvel not, we read this earlier. Do not be surprised and astonished at my telling you, you must all be born anew from above. Now that's hard on a lot of people. That's hard on a lot of people. Because I was talking with someone, uh, and that we were talking about how it's very difficult. I know who it was. It was Alex. Alex Norris. We were talking about in this area, it's very hard to uh, help lead people into a deeper revelations of the Spirit and the Word. Because, I said, well, this is because this is what's called the Bible Belt. First of all, everybody is saved in this town. Do you know that? Every person except us are saved because we're here trying to get better. But everybody else is saved. They might have been drunk all night long and puked their guts out already ten times this morning and ain't got nothing else but heaves. But they're still going to heaven if they die right now because everybody's saved. You, in order to get somebody saved, you have to first get them lost. But it's very hard here because, well, my grandmother was the head cook and the ladies' auxiliary president of the ch church that I go to. They don't go to that church, but they go, they go there in proxy. And their grandmother's been dead 25 years, but hey, granny still had it, and what she gave me is all enough, and, and that's what I'm leaning on. Jesus is saying, you know what? All that doesn't matter. He says, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be born again. There has to be a change in your life. There has to be a change in your thinking. And it's very hard to get people to change. And it's also, it's called this, it's called spiritual pride. You ever meet somebody like that? Well, my grandfather built that church building. My dad bought pews. There's the little gold tag on one of the pews that said, 
bought by Tracy Zimmerman's dad. I can, I can take you to pews right now in, in uh, Oakland, Maryland, that say, bought in memory of Eli Oliver Roy and Elva Hill Zimmerman. That's my grandparents. Apparently, we had enough money that we not only bought a pew, but bought them one in memory of them. So there you go. And my grandfather was one of the pioneers of that church back in the like 40s, 30s or 40s. So man, hey, I'm royalty. They're also the ones that lost their farm during the Great Depression. And my dad said if they got oranges from Florida, from old man Naylor's, A.D. Naylor, who owned a hardware store, he went to Florida every year back in the Depression. He brought those kids oranges for Christmas. That's what they got for Christmas. How about that? Try that next year. Give your kids oranges. See how that goes. I can see the, people, the faces on my people. They'll be trying to figure it all out. One year, Macy was going through a deal where she would go into all the other kids' rooms and get something out and wrap it and give it back to them. She was, she was humming right along. All the birthdays, she got, she just go into somebody's room and grab something off their dresser and wrap it up and give it to them. It's called regifting. The concept is tremendous. Until everybody decided that, you know what, for Christmas, we're going to go in Macy's room and get some of her stuff and give it back to her. So all of the, her new presents got hid, and everything under the tree for Macy was regifted. She didn't appreciate that philosophy that Christmas. In fact, by the end of it, she was about in tears until we busted out the new ones for her. But you know, she hasn't regifted any of us anymore since then. She has money now. So, Macy, if you watch this broadcast, you got money now, baby, so you can go buy some new presents. Yeah, for other people. Yeah. And, but what I'm saying is people get hung up on the past. They live like the devil and crazy all week long, all month long, all year long. And just because their father or grandfather or grandmother, you know, was a Sunday school teacher or the head cook of the ladies auxiliary in such and such church, then that makes them okay. Jesus said that's not going to work. He said you cannot understand natural stuff or spiritual stuff through natural eyes. You can't understand it. You have to have and a revelation here you have to have a new birth there has to be a process and that's what he's saying he said you must all everybody say all 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 y'all you must all be born anew from above what was he doing here he was beginning and he was institutionalizing a spiritual kingdom that was coming okay and let me kind of give you a nutshell of, of the evolution Hey, why do I use that word? The evolution of the church. Here's what had happened. So you have Adam and Eve in the garden. Hey, you find any lepers? All right. All right. We're leaving at 3 o'clock today for Hawaii to see if we can find some. You ready? Okay. All right. I knew he wouldn't be. Now, so you have Adam and Eve in the garden. They're in fellowship with the Lord. Sin breaks that communion. 
From there, you have the death of an animal, which is what we call the doctrine of substitution, that God said, the soul that sins, it shall die, right? It should have been man, but he spared man. He killed an animal. Boom, that starts a process of offerings for uh, the rolling ahead of the sins. We get to uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We get to Egypt. And when the children of Egypt come out of Egypt, they are million strong and they are sacrificing to the Lord. So you have God, Adam and Eve walking in the garden, and then you have uh, periods of time where you have Enoch, you have Noah, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then God sets up the tabernacle plan. The tabernacle was the church in the wilderness. So God has always had a plan where he can fellowship and commune with his creation. That's us. He loves us. He made us and he loves us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to be with each and every one of us. We are the apple of his eye. We're his prized creation, prized possession. So what we have then is we have the, the tabernacle then is replaced by um, David's tabernacle of praise. And then we have Solomon's temple. And then Solomon's temple in all of its glory and splendor was in these prices today was worth billions of dollars all the gold and the silver and everything it was quite a deal that Solomon had built the only problem was Solomon spent seven years building the house of the Lord and he spent 13 years building his house that's why we had to keep the main thing the main thing the main thing always has to be the main thing so then that is destroyed and then we have Herod's temple that's where Jesus shows up Jesus says, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. They all lost their minds because they thought he was talking about Herod's temple and he, he was talking about his body because now the kingdom is going to live in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit living in us, now we become what's called the church. And the church is born in the book of Acts. And then they begin to gather from house to house and in synagogues and in, in groves and in outside and inside and everywhere and the church has grown to what we are setting in today so people who tell you that i can just stay at home and and watch church on television and, and i don't need organized religion they've lost their mind that's not what the pattern of the scriptures is so that's why we're here today so jesus is saying when you're born again you're born into the kingdom the spiritual kingdom and and this building is just a building this building we can sell it right now and and gut it out and it could be a bowling alley it's long enough to be a bowling alley. You know that? We got the kitchen and the lounge area over there. We got all this out. The lanes are down here. and Over here, this last section, that's where all the work happens. All the pins, the balls get stuck. Somebody got to go back and get the ball. You know what I'm saying? This could be a bowling alley. This is just a building. The kingdom is in us. We're born anew from above, and the kingdom is inside of us. Now, that's what's awesome. That's what's so fun is everywhere I go, I'm having church every day. I'm having church every day, everywhere I go. But then we come together, whether it's in this building or a building across town or a building in the next state, and we're the church. That makes sense? All right, so two elements, being born again. Notice what, what Jesus say. See what it uh, says here, remember? Huh? Back in verse 5. He said, I assure you and tell you, unless a man is born of water and of even the spirit, water and spirit, 
Let's see if that's true. Let's see if this guy knew the answer that put these slides together. Two elements of being born again. John 3, 3. Unless a man is born of water and even the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. So, first element is water. Second element is Spirit. First element is water. Second element is Spirit. So our question tonight is, well, do we have two or three witnesses to verify this? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to ask the question, do we have witnesses to verify what Jesus said in John 3.3 and John 3.5? He said, except you're born anew, you cannot see. That's what he said, first of all, in John 3.3. And then he said, except you're born of water and spirit. So he broke it down. So in verse number 3, he just simply says, you've got to be born again. You have to be born again. You, you, there has to be a change. Remember, there used to be an old song. I don't know, Carly, did they sing this at your old church? Sin can never enter there. Remember that old song? Sin can never enter there. Remember that one, Amy? For if at the judgment bar, sinful spots your soul shall mar. You ever hear this from Brandon? You never did. You grew up in a progressive wild church. Yes. That old Rex Chapman hauling you around in a Volkswagen rabbit. <laughs> if at the judgment bar, sinful spots your soul shall mar. You can never enter there. That was a sad song, man. They'd sing that song, and I'd be a little kid in church, and I'm thinking, man, I got sinful spots. I don't even know what it means, sinful spots your soul shall mar. All I was figuring out was I'm probably not going to make it. I was probably in trouble. I probably wasn't going to make it there, you know. And so Jesus says there has to be a change. And people want to fight that change. People want to argue with that change. They want to say, oh, Jesus didn't really mean this here, or he didn't mean that. What? But if we're going to look, remember, there was a precedent set. And that precedent was from the law, Deuteronomy, Moses said two or three witnesses. He said, now, if it's just one person saying something, you know, against it. So let's use Amy. Let's make her guilty. She's never guilty. Amy's never guilty. She's such a good, honest person. Sometimes she just makes me sick she just so too good but she's going to break the law this time you're going to break the law you're going to break the law and I'm going to say Amy did it but if I'm the only one that says Amy did it that law that charge is not going to stand up but if Brandon and Lauren saw Amy do it too we got her now Mr. Zimmerman, did you see Amy Zimmerman do blah, blah, blah? Yes, Your Honor, I did. Brandon and Lauren Stevens, did you see Amy Zimmerman do it? Yes, we did. Boom. There's a conviction because of that precedent, two or three. You see what I'm saying? So what is Jesus going to do here? So that in Deuteronomy, then, we see Jesus picks it up in Matthew 
Paul picks it up then in Corinthians. And this precedent goes all through Scripture. Remember, you can't build a doctrine on just one Scripture. All right? You can't build a doctrine on just one Scripture. But this thread, this precedent is running through the entire Scripture. That's how a doctrine works. You'll see, you'll see a thread of it run through the entire Scripture. For instance, we're going to be talking about next week, we're talking about water baptism. Okay? Uh, do you remember where it first talks about being baptized and where were they first baptized? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Brandon probably knows. On the scriptures, old and new. Ah, oh, good, good, young Padawan. Good. Yeah, Red Sea. Even before the tabernacle, because if you go into, I believe it's Hebrews. Is it Hebrews or Corinthians? That it talks about, and Israel was baptized with Moses in the Red Sea. Because when they went through on dry ground, running from Pharaoh, that was symbolic of going through the waters of baptism. And somebody one time was arguing with me about the scriptures. I love it when people argue with you know what, if you've read the scriptures and people who think they know the scriptures have never read the scriptures and argue with you, it's just like a, like a field day. So, preacher, where was the first baptism? I said, the Red Sea. You're exactly right. I said, sure I am. I've read it. Been there, done that. Yeah. But what happens is, so then it goes from the Red Sea to God puts it in the tabernacle at the brazen labor. Okay? And then it stays there all through the tabernacle into the temple into Herod's temple and then when the church is born it goes into the church what I'm talking about is that thread that's going to clear across all those eons and millennia of time those decades and generations that thread of baptism until we get to today so that's how it works see so that's how a doctrine is going to be established just like that all right Let's stand. You need to stand and stretch. You've been such an astute crowd. Thank you for being here.